Captain Hart, there's only one way to deal with this problem. You have to attack. Oh, pass me the sugar, my dear, will you? My submarine is missing in that area. There's a chance that some of the crew may still be alive. And what about the doctor? He may still be alive down there, too. Yes. Well, this is war, my dear, and war calls for sacrifice. Any chance of any more toast, my dear? Yes, sir. Now, I've had a look at that unit file about the creatures that your friend the doctor encountered in those caves. And do you know what happened? Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart blew the whole lot up. Maybe, but I bet he didn't do it by risking the lives of his own men. Well, that's as maybe, but our line is quite clear. Immediate retaliation with everything that we've got. I'm sorry, sir, I don't agree. Your opinion is quite immaterial, Captain Hart. The order's already been given. Ships are converging on this area from ports all over England. You're throwing away the lives of the men in that submarine, sir. And you'll probably kill the doctor. Look, do you realise that that's murder? Murder? War over it is, my dear. Well, no, it's that girl with my touch. Hello and welcome to Who Watches Who, a Doctor Who podcast with me, Matthew, and as always, like it is every Hello. single week, we're joined by probably the second best host of the Who Watches Who podcast. You know him, you kind of like him by his name, not the one that he knows us by, but the one we all call him in secret. We won't tell it right now, but you know the name I'm talking about. Yeah. Anyway, here he is, the man of the hour. <laughs> going to introduce himself right now with his words. Uh, actually, I'm the second worst host. My name is Scott. Hello. How was that for your intro? You know, we've been trying out new intros recently uh, these past um, few weeks. I think that's probably the best one yet. I think you need some work. I need to. I think you need to work on it, mate. That's I, a bit I think, too long. I, I think. I, I see. I didn't think it was. I thought it was informative. You know. So like, if this is somebody's first episode, you know, they're like, oh, okay. I know this is. I know this Matthew guy. He's got. He, you know, he sounds cool. But <laughs> who's this mysterious other person that he's with? We need to f- figure out his backstory before. I don't, hearing his voice would be too overwhelming for me. You know, two people chatting what is this a podcast i don't understand and they'd stop listening whereas with my intro it prepares the audience (laughs) you know what this podcast needs us to explain our backstory about 50 different times so the audience can catch up yeah 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 i don't think we should (laughs) like do any like maybe we'll like like talk about the episode for like five minutes but yeah i i reckon 15 i'd like 15 minutes at least you know, say it's a 20 minute podcast. <laughs> Our famous 20 minute podcasts that we do, yeah? Uh, famous for being really <laughs> short and concise. Uh, I reckon that first 15 minutes should be recapping the previous ep- episode, which would, in itself was a recap of. Re- really, so we need to record one episode of a podcast and we're sorted for life. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you got a good point there. Every, every other episode should be uh, just a clip, clip show of the previous episode. <laughs> yeah, because what if then... you missed it? What if you missed it? <laughs> like, and and then you know we could do clip shows of the previous clip shows. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. do do a best of the clip shows. <laughs> yeah. And then you could do a, a clip show of that clip show, <laughs> the best, the best of the best of clip shows. 
I, I I think this is this holds the record for the most delirious we've started off a podcast <laughs> on. So happens when we record on a Monday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But this week, we are covering the Sea Devils Part 5 and 6. It is the conclusion to the Sea Devils saga we've been on for the past three weeks. Uh, it feels like it's been a lot longer than three weeks, though, I must say. Well, probably because we started recording it about a month and a half ago. But, it, like, <laughs> it's been it's been a journey, this, this uh, new way of looking at Classic Who. Yeah, it's been a journey of noises and... Just wetness. Ma- mainly noises, to be fair. Yes. Uh, a lot a lot of just pure noise and nothing of substance, but that's what you want with Classic Sur- Who. Surprisingly, neither of our ears have bled yet. I made the smart so... decision of watching these two episodes through speakers <laughs> instead of through headphones, which I normally do. See, yeah, I, th- I thought I had, because I would have stopped watching, or I would have <laughs> fast-forwarded or muted or something, because it was insane. Uh purely insane but with episodes five and six we have of course got a little bit of backstory for episode five i would have done six but i'm lazy and did this within two seconds ago with scott watching me because i forgot to do it but uh anyway episode five aired on a saturday surprise surprise and it aired on the i didn't write down the date oh my gosh how did i not write down the date what did i say 25th of march yeah, 25th of 25th March. 25th of March, 1972. That's normally the first thing I write down. I just wrote down Saturday. That's not helpful. God, let's see. we shouldn't record on Mondays. I'm not ready. Okay, so it aired on the 25th of March, 1972, which was, of course, a Saturday. Uh, and at the time of recording was 49 years, 11 months, and 20 days ago, uh, which was just uh, a very long a very long time ago. Uh, uh, we were looking into like a, the video game Pong was all the rage. Uh, this year, so oh boy, that's about as far back as we are. What a well, video game, eh? Yeah. Just so from from Pong to Elden Ring, that's that's where we're at right now. You as know, a you know, Pong is great, but it really needed was DLCs to get rid of all the glitches and software patches. Really need to get itself I think, under control. <laughs> I think once they went uh, freemium, that's really when they started hitting their strides. You know, because if yeah. if I didn't want to watch <laughs> the advert, you know, I could just pay the booster. Which is like, it's only like £5 or something. And they had the auto-block button, so I could always hit the Pong that you wouldn't be able to get it in. Uh, I thought that really added a level of challenge to uh, Pong uh, since they brought it out. It was it was a good expansion, I think. And not at all Best. abusive. Video games went downhill from there, I would say. <laughs> yeah, uh, with <laughs> Pong was the peak. Yeah, def- yes. yeah, Pong was definitely the peak. Yeah, you know, they made Pong and they went, oh man. There's nowhere to go but down. This is it. We've we've accomplished everything. And also, it had a better soundtrack than Doctor Who and the Sea Devils. I'm pretty sure Doctor Who and the Sea Devils <laughs> stole their soundtrack from Pong. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there was a very long legal battle about it, you know? Or at least there should have been. Uh, but, but what, ha- what else happened with day, Matthew? Absolutely nothing. It was a really boring day. Some Eurovision sports happened. So, once again, I turn my eye to history. To the great tapestry that is mankind's past uh and on the 25th of march and you'll be amazed at how far this one goes back in the year 31 the first easter according to calendar maker dionys exegus happens and jesus is 31 years old and he's like guess what rabbits lay chocolate eggs and everybody went, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and you know, um, 
Sea Devils and Easter is coming up as well soon, just next month. We'll yeah, get yeah. CVD, yeah. Sea Devils and Easter. And I wonder if they'll explore the history of uh, Jesus turning himself into a chocolate egg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, <laughs> and, and hatching as a giant chicken, uh, yes. which is, as we all know, the famous Bible story known as Jesus and the Giant Chicken. Uh, if we fast forward just a few centuries to the year 1436, uh, Florentine Cathedral, Cathedral de Santa Maria del Flora, with the largest dome in the world by Filippino Bruschinelli, is uh, consecrated by Pope Eugene IV. So there you go. There was a building, and the Pope <laughs> went, that's nice. And everybody, but, everybody went. Gonna remember this. This is. <laughs> did the Pope shit in his hat in the building? Though did he? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> How else do you say a building's nice? Is there oh, yeah, the official, the official the, Christian yeah. in the building by shitting in the hat. <laughs> Yeah, it makes the opening of churches really uncomfortable. Uh, In 1807, the British Parliament abolished slave trade throughout the British Empire with a penalty of £120 per slave introduced for ship captains, which in 1800s money is just a metric ton of uh, money. And I'm actually curious then, when did slave trade in the US end? Showing some of my ignorance here. The, oh, slave trade ended in the U.S. in the 1st of January, 1808. So we beat them by a year. Suck it, U.S. We're more progressive. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, we're so woke, aren't we? Just, yeah, 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 yeah. So woke. <laughs> Take that, U.S. Come on, sort your problems out. We did it a whole year before you did. And since then, there has been no racism. Uh, in, oh, 18, yes. in 1895, I'm going to stop talking. In 1895, Italian troops invaded Ethiopia. Nice. <laughs> Don't know why. No. Uh, then, if we fast forward very close, uh, just uh, 12 years before this episode aired to the year 1960, the first guided missile was launched from a nuclear-powered submarine. And, very, every, and very, every, everybody went, hmm, this feels like foreshadowing. Very appropriate <laughs> for this episode. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's literally that's all the information I have. There's not well, a lot I of can information tell you. for this day. I can tell you for one other piece of information that happened on this day, well, close to this day, 50 years later, two nerds made a podcast about this episode of Doctor Who. What podcast you is wanna that? You want to dive into it? <laughs> what, yeah, what podcast is that? Hmm. The only po- we, we're, we're the only Doctor Who podcast around. Really? Yeah. Oh, damn. I was like, what, uh, <laughs> 60 years and nobody went, hmm, we should jump on this uh, money-making machine. Well, right. somebody did think about doing a podcast way back in 1966, but, you know, yeah. the podcast wasn't invented, so they were kind of screwed. Yeah, they were like, all I can do is talk radio. <laughs> Lame. <laughs> what the fuck is a radio? It's 1960. They had a radio since the 40s. What the fuck is a radio? It's like a magic box, I think. I think it runs <laughs> on magic. If, I see. If you were to tell me how to explain radio, I would say... Yeah, it's like it's like TV, you know. I turn it on, <laughs> you know. You plug it into the wall, and then magic happens. Well, it's been a good ten minutes. Should we dive into a episode of Doctor Who? No, no. Remember, we've got fifteen minutes of recaps, and then five minutes, and we'll talk about the episode. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I play a clip. Whatever, play a clip. <laughs> Doctor, I thought you were dead. Dead? No, I don't think so. When I saw that thing come up empty, I thought I'd never see you again. Well, 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 so the heroes have returned. Captain Hart, what idiot ordered an all-out attack just as I was on the verge of finding a peaceful solution? But it wasn't <clears throat> Captain Hart's fault. It was this I'm terribly the... sorry. This is Mr. Walker. He's the parliamentary private secretary in charge of this business. I'm the idiot you've just been talking about. Absolutely splendid lunch, old man. You ordered the attack. I did. Did you give any thought at all, sir, as to what you were doing? Our duty is to destroy the Queen's enemies. Don't you know your national anthem? Confound their politics, frustrate their navy strength. That, sir, is an extremely insular point of view. At the precise moment of the attack, I was negotiating a peace. Peace? <laughs> what, when they've been attacking our shipping and heaven alone knows what? I think you've got it all wrong, old man. Seek and destroy. That's what you chaps say, isn't it? But the point, Mr. Parliamentary Private Secretary, is that you have not destroyed. You have just made them angry. Very, very angry. So the first scene opens where the last scene ended, as it always does with a, you know, we're watching the tube thing, I forget what it was called, get pulled out of the ocean, which the Doctor was in before he got attacked by the Sea Devils. Sea Captain Guy goes in it and he comes out and he's looking all grim. Joe walks in it and she comes out and 100% to my prediction, I guarantee you last week I had not watched these episodes because I didn't watch these episodes until about 20 minutes ago, uh, that Joe would come out and go, oh, he's gone. And that is exactly what happens. She comes out, she looks at him and goes, oh, he's gone. Uh, and then we cut to the sea devils in their sea castle. Uh, and it's the first time we're in the sea devils home. And I was like, oh, this is out of nowhere and really, really interesting. Uh, we're actually getting to explore what the sea devils are like suddenly. Uh, and they have this giant golden obelisk, uh, which they remove the segment with googly eyes from. And we see the doctor's face, who's just kind of staring at them. I assume he's in, like, paralysis or something? It's not really clear. Yeah, I presume as well, but, it's, yeah, it's not really clear on what's going on. Like, how did we get the doctor out of his diving bell and onto their diving bell? It's a bit <laughs> unclear. Yeah. But, yeah, in terms of, like, the Sea Devils set, the Undercastle set, it, it's, it doesn't look very good. Uh, Michael Bryant, the director, wanted it to look more, like, underwater with organic pieces of coral around the place, and the script describes it as damp, disused, molding, with a subdued underwater kind of light. And yeah, we were disappointed with the final outcome. It doesn't look that great. It just looks like a studio in England somewhere. Yeah, it just it looks like a set. It's like this is yeah. a nice. It's like a, it's not a terrible looking set. I don't think. I didn't take me no. out. It didn't take me out of it when I saw it. But I didn't go. Oh, they're underwater. I went, hmm, we're on a set now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's just 100% a set. <laughs> mm -hmm. But nowadays you could, you can use computers to make a filter over the screen, make, make it look blue or something. Okay, I'm going to need you to slow down. What's a computer? <laughs> um, it's, um, it's, it's an alien. It's a robot. Well, which is it? And it, as a, as a, oh no that's the worst combination <laughs> it's an alien robot <laughs> so we get introduced to trenchard light since trenchard tragically passed away uh and i honestly feel like he doesn't add anything and trenchard should have been in this role but uh he's called walter is it or was it walker was it? walker okay yeah uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, whatever. He's a hungry guy, and he's sexist, and he works in Parliament. That's basically all we need to know, and he's here to cover up the ship's sinking. Yeah, he's basically nothing like Tranchard, though. You, yeah, Tranchard is a decent man, I would say, yeah, but this but, guy like, is just it, all about fact, war. It's, it's mainly the fact that this is a generic white guy with a very British voice who's there to push the plot from a political standpoint where you could have Trenchard doing that and encouraging war on behalf of the master because the master's yeah. told him to go and do this thing and make sure that they attack, you know? Uh, Trenchard doesn't really have the same pull, I guess, because he's just a unit lackey that's there to guard, like he's a prison mm-hmm. guard essentially, but, you know, this guy, he just reminded me of Trenchard in that way. And also they look basically the same. Yeah. Uh, so in the script, Walker was described as a large, portly, amical bull man, extremely fond of his own comfort, and was to be eaten in almost every scene. But in the final product, his gluttony was toned down. Does he even eat? He talks yeah, he about eats. food. I don't remember watching Bro, him eat food. There's, Maybe a, I missed there's it. a close-up oh, of yeah, his zooms mouth in on as his he's mouth, eating. doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it reminded me of the uh, Lord of the Rings scene, but we'll get there. Uh, yeah <laughs> when we when we get there but yeah he's uh basically tells them to go radio people and he's going to sort out this whole missing ship mess on behalf of the parliament uh and he's also he uses very sexist language towards the receptionist he keeps calling her a, you know a good girl and is dismissive and is throwing all his jackets at her which i was actually happy to pre- see that the doctor who was presenting this as a bad thing and not a normal yeah. thing uh yeah. which is is nice even though the episodes itself is a bit sexist in its deal of female characters, like, she doesn't get to do much, this woman. The only female but, characters I can think of are the receptionist and Joe. Yeah, it's only two female characters, basically, yeah. Yeah. Which is a shame. But, you know, it's not overly sexist, it is the thing. It's it's progressive for 1970s standards. Yeah. We open, or, like, the the episode properly begins with, I think, a really good scene that I'm probably going to use as the cold open for this episode. Uh, it's a really, really good scene of the Doctor going, I've seen this episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where he's basically being like, oh, yeah, no, I've, I've dealt with you guys already with the Silurians. So, you know, this is the solution we came up with then. How's it sound to you? Yeah. And the sea devil goes, oh, no, that sounds ace. And he, the doctor's like, oh, excellent. And it only gets disrupted because the master's there to go, no, stop. Uh, you know, it's it's. I also hate the effect on the sea devil's voice. I like the effect because when you imagine an underwater creature, that's a kind of bubbly sound effect you'd think of. Yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah. Th- it's not utilized in the best way because they take forever to get a sentence out, like Azul from the Demons. Yeah, it becomes and like, okay, get, okay, okay, yeah. come on, oh, come on. Like, <laughs> it, it's, it's good, but only in small doses. And this is, of course, the first time we actually hear the Sea Devil speak. And there's only one Sea Devil costume which has movable lips. And the person inside is speaking into the mic and pulling and closing the mouth using a string, which sounds insane <laughs> sounds exhausting doing that with the costume on under yeah, the heavy ha- lights and, yeah, having, and having to having walk t- around i know yeah, yeah it's insane <laughs> yeah oof, oof, oof. exhausting <laughs> uh but you know there's not a lot of information gathered in the scene other than you know the sea devils have been here they were hiding under the ocean it's the same story as the silurians yeah. and the doctor's like what if you guys just stayed in the ocean and the sea the sea devils went, whoa <laughs> wait we could just we could stay in the ocean is that awesome 
like i don't understand why there's conflict here because they're at a depth where humans can't be i guess because of submarines really yeah it's it's 100 percent the same storyline it's exactly the same scene as something from the silurians only <laughs> the silurians was how about you live in all the hot places that's too hot for man to live on yeah yeah it makes sense yeah. but in the silurians were like free uh silurians who had their own kind of conflict, whereas all the sea devils are like just one person, basically. They all have the same mindset. Yeah, they, which... yeah, they all listen to what this one sea devil says because he's the only one who can move his mouth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just like uh, real life. Yeah. So we get a really good scene, I think, with uh, the uh, Trenchard Light, the politician guy, as he's basically just being like, yeah, no, we're just going to blow up the sea devils. Because when we looked back at the Silurians, what did the uh, Lethbridge do? He blew them up, and that worked out great. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to blow them up. And he's doing this through just mouthfuls and mouthfuls of food. Uh, and it, it's really good. The most insane bit was he has, like, a small cup of tea, and he fills it with, like, 15 sugars. I think it's, like, four. But, like, <laughs> it, it's, it's so much sugar for a cup of tea. I don't have tea sugar in my tea at all. Uh, but... Like, even four, I'm like, whew, that's too much. Oh, yeah. But as the scene is ending, they just zoom in on his mouth. They just get closer and closer until the point of discomfort. Yeah. Just, rem- to ha- just to hammer home the fact that he's a gluttonous character. It really it reminded me of the scene in Return of the King where What's-His-Name is just sitting there eating, like, tomatoes while uh, Mary is singing at him. Uh, like it's it's absolutely disgusting. It's more disgusting in Lord of the Rings than it is here, obviously, because Lord yeah. of the Rings had the budget and also the time and energy to want to do that. Uh, whereas here, it's not as disgusting as that. But it's just that zoom in on a gluttonous character's mouth. That's just it. Yeah. Again, very cinematic for classic who just have a thought of, oh yeah, we could zoom in on his mouth to just show off the character a bit more. So we, we we look at some stock footage of Navy ships and then we cut to presumably a Navy captain as he's like, we'll be in position at 10 to 2. And then we cut away. Really, it's a pointless scene. I feel like it's a scene that's there because the Navy were like, you got to show off some of our boats. You know? Yeah, it's, <laughs> pretty it's, much. This, this episode as well is a thinly veiled advertisement for the Navy. <laughs> uh, but also, uh, director Michael Bryant points out that the character really shouldn't be wearing glasses because as a navy captain you need perfect eyesight hmm. so that's a big mistake in the costume department well there go your and i dreams of uh, being a navy captain <laughs> i God know right damn it i know oh. <laughs> why did i even watch this episode <laughs> <laughs> then we get an interesting scene on its surface, I really like this scene where it is the doctor and the master debating with the one talking sea devil about whether or not man is good or man is evil uh, and whether or not they should go to war because we find out that the uh, hibernation unit with the sea devils is faulty. So the master's there to try and help them fix it. And the master's like, you should also attack the people. And the doctor's like, why would you sacrifice your people after bringing them out of hibernation? I can sort this out. And the master's like, yeah, like you did the Silurians. Bam, gotcha. Uh, and the doctor's like, yep, yeah, you did get me there. But come on, we can try this one again. It'll go well great. Uh, and, you know, the Silurian touches, not the Silurian, oh my goodness, the sea devil touches the back of the doctor's head and it's like, oh, your hair's nice. I trust you. Uh, <laughs> uh sort of deal and then the doctor and the sea devil do like a really slow high five uh and it's weird 
but like it's like it's an interesting scene and i think it's well written but my only issue with it is it's exactly the same scene that we just watched with the doctor and the sea devil where the doctor goes hey you guys should be a good guy and the sea devil goes i'll think about it and then the master goes no don't be a bad guy and the sea devil goes that's compelling as well it also reminds me about one scene in the demons that we just covered last year where uh, azul is like in a cave and the master's like oh you should use your powers for evil and the doctor's like no no you're like hitler master don't use your powers for evil (laughs) yeah the doctor in there with the hitler uh, argument straight away (laughs) (laughs) um but also um the, the sea devils, you know, the the hands touch him part. That kind of reminds me of Star Trek 2, even though I've never seen Star Trek 2, you know, where um, uh, Spock and Kirk are... Uh, Spock is dying and we do the hand thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Live long yeah. and prosper as as he's, as he's, as he's dying. Uh, yeah, I guess it's kind of like that in that it's two guys touching hands. I didn't think Star Trek. I thought this is a weird <laughs> high five, but, you know, to each his own to each his own and also i think we've seen implies that the sea devils are kind of telepathic because oh yeah they touch yeah. the doctor's they touch the doctor's head and all, all of a sudden the sea devil's like i think he's telling the truth yeah so yeah. why wouldn't they touch the master's head to check if he was telling the truth as well yeah and then they'd figure out oh no we're going to listen to the doctor because yeah. we touched I, your headmaster and you're just trying to kill everybody and, I guess I guess the master is telling the truth because it's from his perspective that the humans are bad. Well, let's see that. Let's find out. You know, <laughs> and then you then you could go into the whole moral quandary of what is truth, and you could have the episode be about you know who do you believe in conflict, you know, and deal with you know propaganda and all this. But no, no, no. It's you know, do we kill ourselves? Or do we not? And I think you'll find the answer is we're not going to think about it and we're just going to shoot guns. (laughs) That's too advanced for 1970s Doctor Who. (laughs) Then we get to the segment of the episode that I like to call insert Navy advertisement here. Uh, As we're watching stock footage of Navy cannons, or, or I don't think that's what they're called, but you know, the cannons on the navy ship get loaded up with uh missiles uh as just the worst soundtrack you've ever heard in your life plays in the background is just horrendous uh (laughs) like i feel like the soundtrack is getting worse with each episode like it's really bad in this one and it's awful in the next one i think it's getting slightly better to be honest because it feels more appropriate it's incomprehensible yeah but like at least before it was a tune (laughs) Now it's just, it's like white noise just playing really loudly on top of other noise. <laughs> There's a point where it just becomes drums. Now that part feels like it's a proper <laughs> soundtrack. Yeah, that one part, that redeems all of it. <laughs> uh, but you're, you know, we're watching them load up shit, load up the ammunition, then they radio in that they're ready to attack. We cut to Hart and the politician guy. And Hart tries to plead with the politician not to go through with it, but he's like, shut up, do it, or I'll find somebody else who will. Uh, And Hart's like, okay, I've got no choice here. Let's start firing. And then we cut to even more stock footage of the Navy ships actually firing their missiles. I thought it was pretty cool looking and kind of terrifying at the same time, considering, you know, the world at the moment. Uh, Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty terrifying. But yeah, yeah, the stock footage actually doesn't look that bad compared... Like it feels like it's part of the episode, even though it's obviously stock footage, and it and the footage is actually not as good quality as the actual episode itself. But 
Yeah, but it's, it's just it's, it's it's cool to watch things explode. <laughs> you know, it's it's always going to be cool to watch things explode. And if I feel like that would be the segment that the Navy would probably be most happy with, because if you're a young gullible teenage boy looking at it, you're like, oh, this is cool. You mean I could fire yeah. <laughs> I could fire big rockets in the Navy. Uh, and then they're like, ha ha ha, clean this ship with a toothbrush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Um, um, but there's a point where Walker uh, quotes uh, Shakespeare's Julius Caesar. He says, cry havoc and let slip the dogs of war, which is a Julius Caesar reference. And this was ad-libbed, and it ironically gave a stunt name for a team of havoc. This is like the John Pertwee stunt team. That was uh, used throughout 1970 to 1972. This was their last mm. episode, but they got their name Havoc from this episode, which oh. is quite interesting. Very weird. Yeah, very it's like a retrospective name. It's like, hey, this yeah. would be a cool name for us. Before we were just called John Pertwee Stunt Double Team Number <laughs> One. Uh, <laughs> so we then go into a very long uh, continuation of the advertment. The advertisement, if you want to say it in the British way, or the advertisement, if you want to say it in the more US way, of the Navy uh, as they begin their attack against the Sea Devils. Just so happens uh, we cut to the Sea Devils and they're like, we will agree to peace, Doctor. Your (laughs) excellent negotiation skills have brought us to decide we will come to peace with the humans and bring them no harm. And then, oh, sweet irony everything explodes uh as the humans launch their attack the master's like see i told you ha 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 the doctor's having horrendous flashbacks to the silurians uh uh, they decide uh you know okay screw it we'll arrest this doctor dude and just launch war uh they take the doctor away and he breaks free from the guards right the nick of time as the uh ceiling fell on top of the guards and killed them and then the doctor was like i'm going to steal your gun because this is classic who and i love guns <laughs> uh, uh he steals the uh, sea devil's gun we cut back to the master and i thought the master was kind of smart here i i liked his plan uh where they're getting bombarded with uh missiles and the sea devils like you know we have to go back we have to attack we have to you know send all our men out and destroy these ships and the master's like no 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 go deeper into your base and hide uh, because I need time to get the rest of your people awake and make them think that you've won. And they're like, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll do that. We'll throw up a couple bodies and uh, we'll go down and hide while you can work on some boring science with the doctor. Uh, and um, it's, it's, pretty, scene, it's, it's fine, but it goes on for like four minutes. Right? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a long scene, but it's actually pretty decent. And um, there's a point where, you know, the roof caves in and hits this uh, sea devil in the head. But the fact doesn't actually look that bad because there's like miniature like rubble, whatever you want yeah. to call it. Yeah, it's it's a pretty decent looking effect. I I think the execution of showing the Doctor breaking free was a bit awkward because the first time I watched it, it looked like the Sea Devils pushed him out the way as the rock fell on them, like they were saving the Doctor. Yeah. And I was like, why did the Sea Devils choose to save the Doctor in that moment and not themselves? And like, <laughs> yeah, that's the problem with uh, classic Doctor Who. The staging is always a bit awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, those sea devils that were sent to the surf- surface were obviously uh, stuffed costumes rather than actors. Because, you know, actors are already drowning in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we get a very short scene with the Navy, with uh, Hart and with the politician, where they get the message that the attack's been successful and they've killed a bunch of sea devils. 
the politician kind of wants to continue the attack because he's not fully convinced that they got them all, whereas Hart makes the compelling argument of you're going to be bombing your own men if you keep bombing it because there's a submarine down there uh, and you really want to, you know, kill your own people without due cause. And he's like, yeah, fair enough. Okay, we'll call off the attack. Uh, you know, it's a very short scene, but basically the master's getting what he wants. Mwahaha. And uh, this kind of... I'm I'm kind of split about this because it's it's kind of giving Joe nothing to do, but at the same time, it's like she's trying to convince everyone to not uh, keep firing at them. So it, it's kind of mixed in terms of she definitely doesn't have much to do. I think that her and Hart make a good team, though. And yeah. I, I I found their scenes to really have more of the moral the moral aspect of the uh, the entire episodes uh for this next few parts but like in part like the next part she does like nothing as well like they really don't have anything for her to do after she breaks the doctor free from the master's trap yeah which is a shame because this is like most companions in the classic era they kind of get separated from the doctor and they kind of like do minimum stuff and it's it's a shame it's just a result of like it being made in the 70s i guess but if, if this was made nowadays um you know the companion would be with the doctor in the sea in the sea devil base yeah uh yeah i find it interesting that the classic who really even had companions to be fair considering that the doctor's with like he he's on an adventure with some random person from that time period uh in every story like you know in this yeah. one there's trenchard the sea devils and heart and you know all this you could expect the doctor to travel by himself and meet all these people and every week it's a it's a rolling cast of you know who's teaming up with who this week but no the doctor's got a companion with him that doesn't do anything like yeah it's it's very strange like the first companion to ever like get character development was ace in like season 25 <laughs> that's, yeah that's, that's what you it's want a long time it's worth the wait it's worth the wait <laughs> and then we cut to a scene that's slightly confusing to me it's a really nice looking uh we're up with the sea devils and the master and they're looking at this giant screen which i assume is a form of radar because they're talking about yeah. how the humans are leaving now uh and the 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 sea devils are like we could still blow up their ships you know we could still attack and the master goes no 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 don't attack we need to get your men up Okay, and he's like, okay, cool, so you're going to get our men up? He's like, yeah, to get your men up, though, we need to get electronics. And he's like, okay, how are you going to get the electronics? Well, we're going to attack. Yeah. Uh, Master, you just said you that they shouldn't attack. What are you on about? Why have you, in, the se- <laughs> in, in one sentence, completely flipped your opinion? Yeah, it's, it's very bizarre. Again, it's just... Oh, another excuse for him to return to the same place we already went yeah, to like yeah. five minutes ago. It's like it's in the same scene the master was saying we shouldn't attack to, <laughs> yes, the only way we're getting this is by attacking. Like, it's very <laughs> bizarre. <laughs> Never even caught on to that before, but yeah. <laughs> uh, then we cut to the doctor who's kind of exploring this uh, definitely not a set. Uh uh, this is i think one of the worst looking parts like it, it looks like a set but there's a really good shot coming up at least uh and we cut to the submarine captain our old friend and his number one as they're trying to pick the lock uh off their cell and the captain's like i like your pluck number one which i just thought was an interesting very 1970s phrasing for you know uh i like your uh, attitude sort of deal uh you're, you've got the right stuff you know uh but then the doctor's <laughs> approaching and i really like the comedy with him where he's just kind of looking at them through the little window on the door of their cell and he's like hello gentlemen uh do you want to get out yeah. step back 
you know, but it's just the framing of just John Pertwee's face through that uh, small circular window with the two guys on the side. Oh, it was lovely framing that. Lovely bit of yeah, framing. Yeah, the framing really works, but also uh, the fact that you can, like, the fact they can hear him through the wall <laughs> Makes and the glass. Makes it there's no glass. Because <laughs> <laughs> in real life, our conversation would be like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it would be like the conversation that we saw earlier where they're having to, like, mime out what they're having to do to each other. Yeah. You know? Uh, But, yeah, no, I thought it was a fun little scene. And then, you know, the Doctor gets them out by blasting the lock off with the um, gun from that he stole from the Sea Devil's body. Why doesn't he just use his sonic screwdriver? Uh, Anyway, uh, (laughs) I guess it's more more visual to use the gun. Uh, Yeah. The the guys come out, and he's like, come on, let's, let's get going, take this thing. Uh, this 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 is a gun, and let's go get your submarine and get everybody out here. You know, save the day, woohoo! And they're walking away, and they walk away on what I can only describe as a regular soundstage. Like yeah. there there is like nothing decorating. It is like black ramps up and away. Like yeah. it, it 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 also feels like they should have cut that scene off like four seconds sooner. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Yeah, like we didn't need to see them walk up those stairs and turn to the left. It was literally the second they walked up the steps, I went, "Ooh, this looks like a stage now." Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's like a it's a very small studio. It's nineteen seventy two, and it's this is something that's going to be broadcast once, something that's going to be forgotten about. I I can give them some leeway, but yeah, no, I want, up. I want, I want. <laughs> to be sucked into the world scott regardless of budget <laughs> regardless of time pe- i don't want to know what it took to make it i want a hundred percent immersion or i'm you know uh, what they should have done mm. they should have actually shot this in like a big cave underneath the sea yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> cowards that's what they are i know right just coward because they didn't want to you know i know right just 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 pathetic I, no, no, you know what it is? We can blame the Navy for it. They would have shot in a deep sea cavern, but the Navy said they couldn't have a nuclear submarine. So how are they going to get there? You know? Good point. <laughs> then we cut to, I think, a pretty interesting scene with three Navy boys who've been kidnapped on the submarine uh, with the Sea Devil. Uh, the Sea Devil has a weird scratch on its eye that looks like paint. I never noticed that. <laughs> Like, it's, like, just this huge blotch on its eye. Uh, yeah. Maybe, like, when we're doing our stunts later on in, like, episode six, one of them scratched her eye by mistake, like, falling to the ground. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's a, it, that's a possible explanation. Yeah, I, I didn't notice it the first time. I just noticed it now watching the scene back, and I went, oh, that's a... How did I miss that? That's huge. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we're with the three guys. They're playing some card game, uh, and, you know, one guy wins all the money, and he then suddenly we hear this tapping. And the guys are like, oh, what's that tapping as the sea devil's listening in? He goes, it's just loose rigging. That's all it is. But if you listen to the tapping, you can work out it's Morse code. And you see the uh, guy start writing down the message in Morse code. He's like, let's play a game of consequences. I don't know the game of consequences. Apparently, it seems to be some sort of game. Uh, So, yeah, consequences is a game where each player writes down part of a story without seeing what came before. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not how Consequences is played, is, the guy, is what the guy says. Do what yeah, you yeah. say is what the guy tells that guy to do. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he writes down the message in Morse code. The guy pretends to be sick, and they're like, oh, Sea Devil, look, he's sick. He's having a fit. 
And then they try to beat up the sea devil, uh, but get their ass handed to them immediately as the doctor and the captain and number one come down and the captain shoots the sea devil dead after the doctor says, no, don't shoot him. And my question here was, why'd you give him a gun? I know. Uh, so in the script, apparently the doctor was the one who came down first and shot the sea devil, which would have been completely wrong. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know why the doctor gave the gun to him in the first place. I guess self-defense, but... <laughs> I guess you know, they, I guess it was because they needed to get rid of the sea devil and couldn't think of a way for the doctor not yeah. to kill him while he's holding the gun. And they were like, we have to get rid of the gun off the doctor. How do we do that? I'll just have him give him to the captain uh, sort of deal. But yeah, it makes no sense why the doctor would have given, especially in the same scene coming up as they start chatting, the captain just throws the gun away to the side. Like, he literally, as he's gesturing, just throws the gun off. Like, (laughs) it it, it feels like the doctor would have only kept the gun just in case he needs to get through another door or something. That's the only reason why the doctor should have kept his gun. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, you know, they come down, they kill the sea devil, and then we cut away. It's it's not the, the best scene ending. I think it's a scene that starts well and then kind of loses itself when the whole gun scenario gets brought back in. Yeah. Then we cut to a scene that is very much shot on a stage. Yeah. As it's a sea devil that was like knocked out or something, I guess. There's like climbing up and looks over to the cell doors, sees that they're open and then hits the alarm. But the issue is that it looks like it's shot on a sec like a high school uh gym hall stage and the set is literally yeah. you can see the plywood where they've cut the door uh i i was just gonna mention you know so matthew and i went to college together and we studied media and we had this like a stage kind of similar to what's yes, going on here it's just yes. it's just a room with c- covered in curtains same floor it's the same type of floor and all yeah yeah it feels exactly the same to what's going on here. Yeah, it, <laughs> it just does. feels like there's curtains behind the sea devil, and that's Which, all that's going on. I guess that's kind of the charm for Classic Who, though, isn't it? You know, it's like look how silly and low budget some of this stuff, like the cheese. You know, the the thick rim of cheese that comes with Classic Who is like a, a mm, it adds the bit of flavor to oh, the yeah. to the show. Like my explanation of uh, Classic Doctor is like trying to watch a bunch of film students try to make a uh, <laughs> deep sci-fi movie with like a shoestring budget that's basically what's going on here yeah except it's broadcast on national television in every home <laughs> in the country <laughs> i mean it's 50 years well if you compare this to like star trek it's it's not comparable because no, star trek TV star trek like, had a much bigger but like star trek was yeah. technically low budget but it's an american low budget like it was big budget yeah <laughs> like, uh, it, it's it's amazing if you like this is like the bbc's flagship show and we didn't yeah. throw much yeah. budget this this this, show, this, is it, this this isn't a uh, the difference as well with american tv compared to specifically bbc tv this is a publicly funded tv show mm, yeah it's 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 bizarre in comparison it's 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 a really strange system <laughs> <laughs> But then again, like we cut from that that one soundstage scene to a really nice looking miniature of the submarine. The miniature work is really high quality. It's that that fun dip and diving of yeah. uh, get it it's diving. It's a submarine of uh, <laughs> the the quality. Uh, Peter Dave is special effects artist. I've I've mentioned him before in this episode. He's doing really great job here. He's 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 excellent at his job. Yeah, yeah, it looks really good. Let me cut to a really good scene. I really like this scene uh, where the submarine's trying to escape. We cut to the uh, sea devils where suddenly they're like, activate the force field. And I'm like, what? You had a force field this whole time? Uh, and then we cut to a really amazing looking effect of that force field. Oh my God, that blew me away. 
Yeah, um, that force field is the same effect that was used in the demons. You know when um, Azul uh, uses a force field around the town, it's the same effect. Oh, okay, okay. And he, and yeah. you said the same thing about the force yeah. field in that episode. Yeah. You were blown yeah. away by that too. That's a good looking effect. It was really it effective. Ha ha ha. It's yeah, no, it's really really good. Uh, and then the bulk of this scene is basically inside the submarine of them trying to figure out how they're going to get away from the force field as the force field continually increases its uh, strength to drag the submarine back into the base and it's essentially the doctor and the navy captain staring at each other with an angry face and oh my mm-hmm. god it's compelling the navy captain's an incredibly good actor jean pertry yeah. is like matching his performance if not exceeding it and oh my god it's amazing there's a really good shot where the sea captain is right in front of the camera in the foreground and there's a tiny John Pertwee way back in the background and it's a really it's it's a it's a it's a standard shot in terms of like today's television, but for classic Doctor Who that's a really cinematic shot. Just seeing him in the background and the sea captain in the foreground is really good. What I think I really liked about this scene and, you know, we spoke about it with the sea captain wanting to bring more subtly to his performance as opposed to the kind of cartoonish that you can sometimes get with Classic Who, is it is, like, almost no dialogue, and it's just two people staring at each other with relatively blank expressions, and yet you can understand entirely the, yeah. like, it, it's like they're arguing without words, you know, where the yeah. doctor is like, we have to fire the torpedoes, we have to take that risk, and the captain doesn't want to risk killing his own men, or killing himself and losing the ship, you know, and it's, oh my god, well, it was such a good scene, I'd like, ooh. <laughs> See, I never really thought about this scene that deeply before, yeah, but it's a very good scene, um, I kind of wish there was more of that in the yeah. story, you know. Like I, I wish there was more of that in everything I watch. I, it's like when the doctor <laughs> sits down to have a boring conversation, you know. I, I like it when I can digest the scene and think about, you know, what are the characters thinking? What's going on? You know, what's yeah. motivating these people? And look at that performance and that shot's amazing. You know, that's the stuff I really yeah. like about TV and film. And, you know, you yeah. don't always get it, but... You, you and I have been watching Better Call Saul, and Better Call Saul is just all scenes but yeah. is what we're describing here yeah <laughs> every yeah. scene is characters thinking and yeah. just interacting it's really good show if you haven't watched it yet <laughs> yeah who watches <laughs> who watches better call solve coming to a patreon near you uh hell yes <laughs> Uh, but to conclude the scene, uh, the doctor has this like very short but impassioned speech where he's like, come on, man, fire the torpedoes. You know, we have to take the risk. Uh, and the captain hesitates. And then he's like, OK, ready the torpedoes, fire one, fire two. And it launches, it breaks them free enough uh, that the ship comes tumbling out of the wee cave that they were in. Yeah, excellent scene. Excellent scene. Uh, then the sea devil captain is uh, annoyed and he's like, ah, oh, they're going to they, they're going to tell the humans where we live even though they've already attacked us. Uh, And the submarine's going away, and then the Master's like, it's okay, because we'll just attack them first. Even though the Master's motivation was that we're not going to attack the goddamn... Nothing makes sense. (laughs) We've just gone from a really compelling scene to a scene that is literal gibberish. (laughs) But, you know, at least Roger Delgado gives a great performance. Yeah, and it's a nice shot of him walking in, and he's, like, framed... It's like a portrait of his face. It's beautiful. But it it literally... It doesn't make any... All the motivation have suddenly gone out the window and the logic just left <laughs> like 
Yeah, this episode definitely just takes a left turn in terms of all the motivations, and even the pacing just suddenly ramps up. Yeah. It's, I, it's, it's bizarre. I think the issue that they had is they wanted the action scenes, because in the next episode, we have got a crap ton of action scenes, and they wanted mm-hmm. them but they couldn't come to an actual logical justification for them to happen because we've already seen the Silurians. And they came to the conclusion in the Silurians that this is how we achieve peace. And then in this episode, they went, yeah, no, that made sense. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, they attack. (laughs) Like, Like, they couldn't think of a reason that the option for peace wouldn't have made sense. Uh, And the humans attacking first, I thought was a decent justification, but it's the master, like suddenly having to get the sea devils to attack after you've told them you don't want them to attack so you can get the people but you can't get the people without getting them to like it uh, uh it's a mess it's a complete <laughs> mess fun episode though <laughs> <laughs> oh good scene there's so many okay so i i've said earlier in the episode you know well this is the clip i'm going to use i genuinely don't know now uh because th- this episode goes from like great scene to scene that doesn't make sense to great scene to scene that doesn't make sense like back to back to back to back and we've just had our scene that doesn't make sense with the master and the sea devil which means aha we are due a great scene uh <laughs> and so we cut to the doctor reuniting with joe joe's like doctor i thought you were dead and the doctor's like you're an idiot uh and speaking of idiots who's the idiot that attacked the sea devils uh and he he specifically calls the guy that attacked the sea devils an idiot and he starts shouting at heart and then joe interrupts and he's like no it wasn't heart's fault it was the and you know about call the the politician dude a complete idiot uh and heart interrupts and he's like allow me to introduce you to the uh you know private secretary whatever his actual official title is to try to keep some uh decorum of the situation and what i really liked is the politician goes yes i'm the idiot you were talking about as he (laughs) he goes to sit down and then we have a really 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 great scene uh, of pertwee and whatever the name of this guy is who's playing the politician arguing with each other and pertwee is on fire man oh my god where he's just like talking about you know uh i was about to negotiate a peace and you didn't destroy them you just made them very 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 angry uh, it's like who yeah. he's an angry doctor right now isn't he <laughs> and there's a point where walker's like oh don't you know the national anthem yeah i mean it's yeah. like yeah of course the doctor doesn't know about it. he's like an alien refugee he, do- he doesn't care about the national anthem <laughs> yeah yeah and also i don't know the national anthem. it's like what god saved the queen i know that line uh yeah yeah. God, and, uh, yeah, and and I and I know that when the queen dies, the national anthem changes to "God Save the King," because we we change our yeah. national anthem depending on who the head of state is. But that's literally that's the only two facts I know. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah I, I I love just watching the third Doctor John Pertwee just call out petition politicians for being assholes. Basically, I love any Doctor Who scene where I can ha- watch the Doctor make really good points in an argument be it a shouty argument or a talking argument or even an argument without words that we just saw in the submarine the doctor in a debate is a show i want to watch you know and yeah it it, it is very good political commentary overall just Mm -hmm. perfect which again i wish more of yet more of his story was about because this is like the last two episodes, not much going on in terms of commentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's, it's uh, you know this episode basically does the work of three episodes. 
you know we 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 had episode one that set up the you know the sea devils and the master then we had episode two three and four where nothing happened and now we're in episode five where the sea devils and the master have teamed up and the politics and stuff's going off you know this is the actual story kicking in now uh you know if you take all six episodes of this it's two and a half hours the christmas after this episode aired they showed this story condensed down to 90 minutes. I'm sure it worked a lot better there because you could just cut out so much of episodes two to yeah. four. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it works so much better that way. Oh, yeah. I bet it's really good. I bet, like, it would just be, like, almost back-to-back scenes of amazing monologues and arguments. Like... Yeah. But we did just have a good scene, and you know what that means. Yep, it's time for a bad scene. Uh, as we cut to a scene of noise, as we're watching a uh, navy guard look at some sea devils come up from the ocean, and as we, if we remember from the previous episodes, the sea devils can't really breathe. The people inside the sea devil suits basically yeah. can't breathe when they're under the ocean, and that's more terrifying when you realize one of the sea devils never raises its head. Yeah, I noticed that. Like one of them just keeps just, his head in it's the just, water. It's just like a floating body in the water, and I went, "Oh my god." raise your head please raise your head raise your head raise your head and then it cuts away and i went that was a dead guy like <laughs> like it is it's it's a, a kind of terrifying when you have that knowledge in your head uh yeah, but, um but yeah the, the the navy guy is just looking at the water being like oh that's a lot of sea devils coming up he doesn't really he, he doesn't really look phased by Some, it somebody I mean, should do something about that <laughs> and then all of a sudden a sea devil comes up from behind him somehow silently and mm-hmm. grabs his throat like yeah <laughs> how does that work well never heard of him <laughs> yeah you know maybe this guy was deaf you never know uh <laughs> and it, or he couldn't hear the sea devils because all the goddamn soundtrack noise that was drowning everything out. <laughs> uh the sea devil like kills him or knocks him out or does whatever and then we're just looking at some sea devils climbing around a navy base for a couple seconds before we cut away it's like it's it's not as terrible as some of the other scenes have it's just establishing the sea devils are now attacking even though it doesn't make any goddamn sense based on the own rules that the show's <laughs> up whatever uh for them to attack uh there are there are some dynamic shots in here, like the sea devil attack from the cap, the, 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 the navy guy is a pretty good shot. But it's a very yeah, like, it's, it's a very horror film shot of suddenly there's a yeah. hand on your face, uh, which I'm it's sure would have scared just, some kids. Like, it, yeah, it's basically just watching a bunch of stunt men in costumes who are blind trying to stumble around a beach yeah. for like a couple of minutes. Yeah, and and <laughs> one of them is dead. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it was just like um, uh, um, Wizard of Oz, where apparently <laughs> one of the uh, munchkins is hanging from a tree in the background. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> then we get our last scene, and if you recall the pattern, we just had a bad scene, which means... Oh, yeah, we're in for a good scene. Uh, where the doctor's back to chatting with the politician. The politician's like, I'm just going to nuke him. You know, I'm just, just going to nuke him. You know, got a, the doctor's like, why? And he goes, well, got to nuke something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, given current events, this oh, yeah, kind of feels... Yeah, yeah. yeah I just, just wanted to make a, a Simpsons s- joke, but yeah, and we'll talk yeah. about World War II. <laughs> we, we, we just did uh, the Zygon 2 part last month. We didn't realize how much things would change in terms yeah. of 
by the time we get to this month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, the Doctor makes an impassioned plea yet again of, do you really think starting a war is possible? And what I really like is he starts playing into the politician's obvious ego, where he's like, you know, do you want to be remembered as the guy who sought, sought peace and managed to avoid conflict? Or do you want to be known as the guy who nuked a bunch of fish? Uh, you know? Uh, and he convinces the guy that he'd go in and negotiate on behalf of uh, humans by himself. Uh, Joe comes into the scene to say it's really dangerous. And, you know, I like Joe as a companion for the few times that we've seen her, but I feel like her performance here, it's, it's, it's far and away the weakest performance in this. Like, this is a compelling scene. And Joe comes yeah. in and Joe's the like a classic 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 doctor who where it's like kind of loud and screamy kind of stagey uh and it it felt kind of out of place for me uh but you know it's not terrible i i wouldn't say the performance itself is bad it's just she's playing the same version of jill we saw last week yeah in terms of episode four ended with don't go down there doctor don't <laughs> negotiate with him it's dangerous and now yeah. we're ending episode five in the exact same way speak of uh, joe speak of joe not having anything to do like <laughs> yeah 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 uh but the doctor's like no we must do it and then they they start walking out and uh and they're like okay we've got a we've got this gang we're nailing it and then joe's like oh my god doctor look over there in the classic like a uh, scream girl way uh yeah. and uh, we cut to a sea devil that's got a gun we pan to the gun a few times we cut to the doctor's close-up and it's you get it you guessed it it's the classic cliffhanger the doctor's about to die until next week where he'll get out of it in two seconds flat hell yeah uh but also joe apparently sees something right in front of and them, nobody and else nobody sees else it. Yeah. Sees. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody sees <laughs> it until they point it out. Next episode uh, changes the editing very slightly so that um, the sea devils walk out from behind a building and then yeah. Joe screams. But here it's just the sea devils out in the open. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, <laughs> but what did you think about this episode before we jump into the finale? Um, yeah, it's a very solid episode, I would say. Um, it, it more than makes up for. A very lackluster episode three and four. Um, off to a very good start. It feels very good. <laughs> How about yourself? Yeah, I really, I think I enjoyed this episode more than the finale. Uh, we'll get into the finale, but the finale is mainly just a bunch of action scenes. You know, albeit pretty well put together action scenes, but but I'm not the biggest fan of pure action scenes by themselves. Yeah. Yes, neither am I, but yeah, yeah, we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah. Um, uh, also, I, I would say the music isn't as bad here. It's not being used in every single scene like it was yeah, before. It yeah. feels like the it's guy more restrained. composed. Yeah, it feels like the guy composing it ran out of time and was more picky over what scenes he wanted to compose music to. Yeah, it is a. It was a way better, way better use of the. I mean, the the one scene with a lot of music was horrendous. Yeah. But we're not getting sound effects for every movement of each character. Yeah, you know, like the sea devils, the sea devils coming out of the ocean. You don't hear the don, sting. Don, yeah. Don, don, yeah, don, and you don't, you, you don't get the like awful screaming sting we'd get for each single one. Yeah. You know that that's gone pretty much now. You only get it occasionally when they touch somebody with their hand. Uh, yeah. but next week we have and the worst implication of the use of the soundtrack. I think, yeah, is well, I say next week, the next episode. What am I talking about? Uh, yeah. part six, yeah, it's the worst part, worst part of the soundtrack. Ooh. But yeah, good, good, solid episode overall. Yeah. Shall we move yeah. into episode six? We shall indeed move into episode six. Go, clip, go. What do you want to from the human space? Many of my people. 
but I've been killed. It was a necessary sacrifice. So he is. Soon you can surge from the seas and your millions and exterminate him. Don't listen to him. Why begin a long and bloody war where thousands will be killed on both sides? We shall destroy man and reclaim the planet. Is there nothing I can say to make you reconsider? this time. The power may take some time to build up, you know. I suggest you now dispose of this man. Take up both of the cages. What's the meaning of this? I'm your enemy. So the episode begins as every episode besides the first episode of Doctor Who does with the conclusion to the cliffhanger. If you remember from just a few moments ago, uh, the cliffhanger was that the Sea Devils ran out and the Doctor, everybody went, oh no, I'm going to die. This episode, as you said as well, Scott, they showed a slightly different clip of the Sea Devils running around the corner this time rather than just standing there. Yeah. (laughs) And the Doctor decides that he's just going to just going to kick their ass he's just going to yeah. go he's just going to absolutely beat the crap it doesn't matter they've got guns he's going to beat them up <laughs> <laughs> that's what i love about this doctor he takes every opportunity to just kick some ass yeah it's fantastic he, he just beats them up i'm not a fan of the doctor just beating up aliens <laughs> uh but i guess it's very silly uh you know it is what it is but he thinks yeah, he's yeah, he, he thinks he's defeated two of them, but there's one right behind him, and he just grabs him, and he does the most, like, rubbery expression yeah, ever. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, quite the, the choice he made there when he got grabbed by the, <laughs> um, the sea devil. Then the master shows up, and he's like, take them away, back to their first set, please. We can't be going to more than one location. That was crazy thinking i'm glad that we stepped outside now we can go back inside and it'll be like a new place uh but he takes them back inside and we see a bunch of sea devils like uh guarding the doors and stuff like that while the soundtrack and this is going to be a recurring theme for this episode in particular the soundtrack is attacking you uh like like it actively hates your ears uh it's it's terrible the best part is certainly when there's no soundtrack (laughs) We get a very short scene with the Doctor and the Master, where the Master's basically like, Doctor, please help me with some difficult sums, uh, and if you don't, I'm going to kill everybody. And that's that's the, the gist of the scene, is he needs help to figure out how to get the Sea Devils back from their hibernation. Although he says that they're not just undersea, that they're underground. And yeah, that made me go, what, are you talking about the Silurians as well? We- bringing them back I, like, I guess I guess underground undersea, because underground is more sea, technically. If you consider it, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. You're blowing my mind. <laughs> Tell me more. I feel like Joe Rogan now. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me that under the sea, it's like under the ground, but like with water. No, underground. Underground, where is yeah. more sea. Uh, yeah. There's more sea under the ground. If you think about it. <laughs> You're blowing my mind here. So wait, let me get this straight. So you've got the ground. And we know that. Yeah. yeah. And you've got the sea. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. And you're saying if you go under the ground, 
uh-huh. there's more sea. Yes. It doesn't just stop. <laughs> like a swimming pool. Yes. Yes, it's like a swimming pool, or yes, it stops. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. That's deep. That's deep. Uh, we then get a scene with Hart Joe and the politician guy whose name is known as Clark. <laughs> Uh, Walker. Walker. Yes. I knew it was something yes. like American sounding. Uh, where they're like kind of whispering with each other. They've managed to lock themselves into a room with the sea devils outside and they're, they're being very, very quiet and, uh, you know, trying to be all sneaky and they're like, oh, how are we going to get out of this one? Uh, Joe spots a thing in the on the roof, which I immediately went, oh, it's an attic. Uh, but Hart keeps calling it a ventilation shaft, even though it's it's clearly the doors to an attic. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ventilation shafts usually don't aren't like a attic door. It's like usually it's just like just on like the wall. Usually a grill, like a, like a grill on yeah. the wall. Yeah, yeah. It's not like a passageway into the attic, uh, but yeah. whatever. It's unsealed, like completely. Yeah. Like there's no ventilation happening in this yeah. ventilation shaft. Yeah, it's, it's very bizarre. <laughs> Uh, and they're like trying to unscrew it and uh, Hart's like he's too big but Joe can go through and the entire time oh my god I just want to call him Clark now what did we say <laughs> what did you say his name was Walker Walker uh, the entire time I think time, that's right anyway it's yeah yeah Walker is right uh, the entire time Walker's there you know being a cowardice man being like oh what if we get in trouble you know the doctor should we leave this to the doctor uh, yeah, it's, it's a fine fine wee scene I really like how it gives Joe something to do for once Yes, it's, yeah, she she hasn't done much for this whole story, really, apart from worry Uh, for the Doctor. Save the Doctor that one time, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. at least, but not enough for her character to do. I'll tell you, though, I think, you know, every episode of Classic Who that we watch has got, like, a bunch of random companions that never show up again or maybe they show up in one or two other episodes or but usually it's self-contained to that story i really like heart i would watch more episodes with heart he's like a a cool dude you know <laughs> maybe he's a bit redundant off the left bridge uh of left bridge uh-huh. stewart but as far as characters go that are like one-off characters i really like him and i'd watch more of him yeah, that's an interesting take. I, I, I can't say I agree, but uh, sure, I, you, you, I like I like you, working with Joe. I think he's an interesting dude. Hey, you know, I'd have him as a full full time companion. I'll go that far. <laughs> you do you, boo. Then we get a pretty fun scene with the Doctor and the Master, where they're not so much acting like enemies as they are colleagues, which I really enjoy. Uh, where the Master is basically saying that he's going to revive all of the. Uh, you know, hibernating sea devils, information we already know. And he's going to use this device, this magical science device. Uh, But he needs some help to get it to work. And the doctor's like, okay, let me look at your blueprints. Oh, well, this is a complete mess. You see, you need to fix this and this and this and this. Give me a pencil and I'll help you fix it. And then the master gives a wry little smile like, ho, 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 ho. Uh, And that's, that's basically the gist of the scene. But I really, I just enjoyed watching the doctor you know, be a wee scientist and be like, you know, you need to fix yeah. this, this, and you need more power going in through this circuit here. It's, it's, it's a nice little bit. It's also nice to just see the doctor and the master just kind of reverting back to their old childhood selves, be, being friends, you know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the doctor is uh, messing with the master here, not being truthful in what he's doing. But it kind of reminds me of Better Call Saul, which is something I'll, I'll be talking about for a while now because we're both watching the show. But, um, brothers Jimmy and, um, Chuck. 
Chuck. <laughs> yeah, brothers Jimmy and Chuck are always constantly bickering and fighting, but occasionally you'll see the two of them kind of revert to being proper brothers and just working with each other and just being brotherly. And it's kind of like we're seeing in Doctor Who, just, you know... It's always nice to see the Doctor and the Master get along for a bit yeah. before everything goes wrong. Even though, you, even though, yeah, inevitably, inevitably it will go wrong. But it's, uh, it's, it's always nice in those wee uh, flashes that it does happen. You know. Uh, we then come back to Joe and uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna call him Clark. Uh, we then come back to Joe <laughs> Clark and Hart. Uh, as they're about to lift uh, Joe up through the ventilation shaft, Clark's like, "Hey, why, why are we, why are we doing this? She's just a, she's a wee child." And I'm like, "She looks about 30. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they're like, "Okay, Joe, once you get through there, you know, because we're obviously we're too big to do it. Get through there, and you know, it'll take you all the way up into the roof or whatever." Uh, and then he goes to lift Joe through, and instead of like boosting up her foot which would have been a really easy way to whoop, hoist her up. He, like, grabs her under the armpits like she's a toddler, and it's the most <laughs> awkward, like, lift up. Like, he struggles to get her up. Like, it, yeah. it, was, it was like, why would you Why would you go for that? Why not go for, <laughs> for the boost, you know? Put your... Yeah, there's, uh, uh, there's also a point where she has to turn around and face away from the camera, because as we said, I think last week... Her trousers were just mm-hmm. fucked after getting wet. Because in between shooting, she would play with John Ferdley in the, in the water. And so <laughs> her, just, her trousers would just get wet and shrink. And her zip obviously fell down again, so she had to turn away from the camera. So Excellent. that makes it even more awkward. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she climbs up through the ventilation shaft. Or, you know, it's the attic, but it turns into a ventilation shaft at one point. Uh, we we see her crawling through it diehard style, and she uh, yeah. <laughs> bursts out onto the roof. We see a couple of sea devils, but she just ignores them and runs away. Uh, and then we're watching her in classic Doctor Who fashion run around a building for thirty seconds until she eventually looks through a window and she sees the Doctor and the Master. I thought it was a nice transition into their scene. You know, we go yeah. from Joe looking at the window to that scene, uh, but getting to that point uh, t- took quite a few seconds. As the uh, soundtrack's have... just there going, bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs> uh, we also have some fairly good transitions between studio and location footage because obviously her, obviously she escapes from studio and um, they have to. So the scene of her crawling in the ventilation shaft was an afterthought. They needed a better transition from studio to location, so they set up some black flattage from a sea devil cell and just had Katie crawl around on the ground, which works fairly well. And yeah, just some fairly good transitions between location and um, yeah it, there studio. was never there was never a point where you know that we got sometimes with the last episode where i got taken out of it and went oh that's on set uh even yeah. when she's crawling through the the ventilation shaft i never thought that's on set i went oh she's yeah she's inside the ventilation shaft now uh so they did they did a good job okay so the next scene we end up cutting around quite a bit so i decided to just watch it in one big chunk uh, we're with the doctor as he's walking around. He spots Joe at the window uh, as he's walking, which I thought was done pretty subtly. I kind of liked that. Like He just kind of stops for half a second as he's uh, carrying a box. Uh, he says something to the master that he needs some sort of tool. He goes back to Joe and he's like, I'm going to cause a distraction. You've got to be quick and get Hart and the uh, Clark uh, out of there. Uh, and Joe's like, okay, but what about the the sea devils? And the doctor goes, forget about the sea devils. They don't do anything. Uh, 
And Joe's like, okay, gotcha. Uh, she runs away, and we watch her kind of sneak around the building a bit. Uh, and we're, like, cutting back and forth, but that's all that Joe's really doing, uh, which yeah. I like. I, I, I think it helps with the pacing, and I like watching Joe <clears throat> being an active participant yeah. in the episode. You know, yeah, she's yeah. the reason that Hart is, and that is, or not just Hart, because Clark goes and hides, but uh, that Hart's able to escape is because Joe saves saves him. Uh, yeah. But oh, you're gonna say something? Yeah, there's, there's a point where she runs out in front of like two sea devils, and she's like maybe two feet away from them around the corner, and she runs back, and the sea devils don't even notice her. Two sea devils don't yeah, even notice like, her. It's, it's like... the, the I like to imagine those two sea devils. You know, they did notice her. But then they were like, uh, it's a lot of hassle. We could just pretend like we <laughs> didn't see anything, you know? <laughs> but that's fair, to be honest. I, 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 at work, when I see a shoplifter, I'm kind of the same way sometimes. I'm like, <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> exactly. Too much hassle. Uh, but with the doctor and the master, you know, the doctor gets his tool. and They've, they've built this fa- fantabulous looking contraption. Uh, and a sea devil comes in, and the master's like, shall we test to see if this thing works then? You know, the doctor plugs it in in a 1970s socket, and I was like, that's a fire hazard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they turn it on, and then the episode does this really interesting technique where it lets you experience what it's like to be a sea devil when this device goes off as the most annoying high-pitched noise plays for two minutes flat that makes your ears want to bleed. Uh... As we're as the machine goes off, it doesn't work as intended, but it works as the doctor intended it to, setting off this blaring alarm that causes all the sea devils to go mental and be like, "Ah, my ears!" As you, the audience, are watching it, going, "Ah, my ears!" Yeah, that sound is awful, and I wish it didn't exist. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Uh, and then you know we're we're cutting around a bit after that to watch the the the, the Great Escape Part Two the sea devils uh as we see joe go into rescue heart and uh clark uh they come out and clark is kind of cowardly and you know he he hides back inside the uh the room after trying to karate chop his mouth he makes a weird uh, yeah um yeah it's a bit of a weird uh blocking but in the original script walker was supposed to escape but the actor wasn't available for location shoots, so they decided to rewrite the scene into, oh, he's a coward, he just kind of runs away again into the same room. Which, it, well, I it think works, I, it works for yeah, his character. I thought, it, I thought it fit his character, that he would just stay in the room and hide. Uh, I thought that fit. But Joe and Hart make their way out, and they're, you know, running around. Eventually, uh, I say eventually, it goes on for ages. Uh, <laughs> they make their way to a beach where there just so happens to be a hovercraft. Uh, and also, uh, Hart has a gun, uh, like a full-on rifle, and he just starts unloading caps into Sea Devils as oh, yeah. uh, Joe, like, lights up the hovercraft, and then away they go. Uh, it was, it's, you know, uh, the first of many action scenes in this episode. Yeah. So the notable thing is, you'll probably see it more throughout the episode, but the shortest Sea Devils played by Stuart Fell, who um, doubled for Katie Manning as Joe a couple of episodes ago. Um, So he's a shorter Sea Devil, and he decided to show off and do a flip in his death scenes. You'll notice one of the Sea Devils gives way more commitment than the other Sea Devils. Basically, he's a brand new stunt double at the time, and the other other stunt actors beside him were like, Hey, don't do this because you're not being paid enough for it. You have to, um, you have to 
um, talk to the BBC and get more money to do this because you're not being paid nearly enough to do this. Just fall over. <laughs> you're giving way too much commitment, my dude. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, eventually we cut back to the doctor and the master and the master's like, why did I let this go on for two and a half minutes? I'm going to turn it off now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he turns off the device, thankfully, because it's, it's honestly borderline unwatchable. Like, it, yeah, it's, it's amazing. This episode made it to air and everybody involved in it was like, yeah, that's a, that's a good noise to make for two and a half minutes. Perfect. Yeah. yeah everyone's going to love so it. so many people to sign off on that scene for not one of them to say this is not a good noise you know yeah like could you not just make the noise lower yeah that could be one good thing you could do just don't put it in at all (laughs) (laughs) make make it a sound only the sea devils can hear perfect yeah Okay, so uh, with the doctor and the master, the master's like, what was what was with the noise? And the doctor was like, oh, maybe I made a mistake. Uh, oh, wait, no, I see what the problem is. I had the output in the input and the input in the output. Ah, silly me. So it was like a feedback, basically, is what the noise was supposed to be. Uh, he fixes it and the sea devils come running in and we're like, what the hell was that noise? And the master's like, don't worry about it. It won't happen again. Uh, and the sea devil's like, awesome, cool. Should we kill the doctor? And the master's like, nah, he's kind of cute. I like him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so the sea devil's like, fair enough. We'll take him back to our base because we've been at this set long enough. Let's go to the other one. Uh, and they start packing up their stuff to leave. But just as they do that, oh my God, the Navy come roaring in on their... Uh, hovercraft uh, joe and hart got there so fast and got them yeah like with like seconds like they got on the boat <laughs> within two seconds got to the navy base got everyone armed back on the boat and came back uh within the space it took for the master to turn off the machine and go what was that yeah <laughs> uh, for for most of his story we've been talking about the very slow pace when all of a sudden this the last half of this episode just goes to just rockets ahead it's insane how quick the pace just yeah it's it's crazy so yeah there was bad weather on the day and one side of the hovercraft deflated meaning about 18 sailors landed on top of katie manning and katie manning says but she was very excited about that (laughs) (laughs) well i'm sure the sailors were as well Uh, but they all come running out of the hovercraft and we get into a very long action scene. So we get a really long action scene and there's some fun stuff with like watching some stuntmen hurt themselves and doing twirls and jumping off buildings and stuff. Uh, but there's really not nothing of substance to chew on. It goes on for quite a long time. Uh, we cut to the doctor with the master and is it the talking sea devil that's with them? The like commander in chief sea devil? That's the one it looked like. I think so, but yeah, they all, they all uh, look the same. Is that racist to say they all look I think the same? The, I think the one with the moving mouth is a slightly different color, but yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, they hear a guard outside, and they're like, oh, quick, hide against this wall. That'll, that'll confuse him. Uh, and the guard comes in, the doctor goes, they're behind you. And he just turns around and unloads a bunch of bullets into the sea devil. Like, if that is the commander-in-chief sea devil, I don't remember. I think he is. One unceremonious way to, to kill off that, like, that main villain. The guy that's yeah. in charge of this. You just bang, 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 bang by an unnamed uh, Navy guy that gets knocked out in the next, like, two seconds. Yeah, it really shows you how little character the sea devils actually have. They all get shot off and none of them really have speaking lines. Just one of them. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, there's it's... there's only ten minutes left in this episode, and what I really like about this conclusion to the story is they went. Uh, then the navy show up and kill everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... Like the the problem really well the problem was like convoluted to begin with but it's such a unsatisfactory way to end it I think you know yeah it really is but it it's some fun action I like watching obviously devil spin and just die it's it's yeah. fun on one of on one of the stunt doubles on the roof fell, falls off a roof and almost misses the Martin which sounds very dangerous and yeah. not fun. <laughs> It uh, reminds me. It, well, I mean, it didn't remind me. It made me think. Uh, what if Modern Who did something like this, where just halfway through the episode, the entire plot stops for like a three-minute-long action scene? I think yeah. I would dig it. Yeah. Yeah. It, like if it was shot in a more modern way, you know, because this suffers that it's shot from a 1970s standpoint with 1970s special effects. If the yeah. a, a random like a random like if this upcoming Sea Devil special halfway through just stops dead <laughs> for a really violent action scene, <laughs> I, I think that would be kind of cool because we haven't seen I, that really. It, like like Classic Who did it all the time, but yeah. New Who really haven't ever done anything like that. Yeah, it's been a while since we've seen a like a proper action scene with just people dying. But also, um, one thing about this scene is there's no music, which is like the one time you'd expect music. And I'm not sure. I'm I'm kind I'm kind of like oh I I think this scene should have music, but then I remember the music I, of this episode. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think this scene should probably have music, but considering the music in the episode, this scene is better yeah. without it. You know. <laughs> Yeah, because we're we're just listening to a bunch of like old western gun yeah. sound effects. It's really, it's like the same sound effects we've been hearing for like decades, and it's yeah, if it's it really ain't old broke, sound don't, effects. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the doctor uh, tells the navy captain to keep the master on watch, and he's going to go out. Uh, and you know, I was like, yeah, yeah. The master's never brainwashed anyone before. It's not like that was a huge problem before. You're right, doctor. Let's leave him here with this guy with the gun. I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, and within it's, two, s- <laughs> it, it's it's honestly just the dumbest decision of the episode. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then within two seconds of the doctor leaving, the master brainwashes <laughs> the dude and karate chops him in the neck. Who saw that coming? You know, first time the master's done that. Why hasn't he done it before? You know. <laughs> It's, yeah, I feel like the correct approach would have been to have the master go with the doctor under and, his yeah. watchful eye or yeah. something like that. But then you have the problem of how does the master escape, you know? Yeah, we'll get to that in the end, but we still have the problem of how the master actually escapes because it doesn't make any sense, but we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, the action scene continues as we're watching Hart uh, run and he sits into this like genuine looking navy like anti-a flat gun or something like it's the coolest looking gun ever yeah uh it looks really really cool he starts unloading a bunch of shots into sea devils one of the special effect looking explosions looks like it goes off on top of one of the sea devils and he gets like covered in like flame and smoke for a second and i was like oh my god uh <laughs> when that was happening the doctor runs over to him and he's like have you seen joe and he he was like oh, what does he say he's like she's she's way over that way you know over yeah, by the boat she, he says she's on the beach which yeah. isn't really an accurate description because we're, we're surrounded by beach yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the doctor goes running off uh and we cut to the master who's also running holding the device that the doctor made and he's running to to two conveniently placed uh, speedboats. Uh, he takes one out into the ocean. He drives off with it. The doctor shows up. Uh, he takes the other one and 
chases after uh, the master. And then we get a very long speedboat chase scene, which is very fun. <laughs> it's very campy. Uh, it's yeah. very silly. Uh, but the soundtrack's on this scene, and that kind of ruins it. But... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, yeah, so the thing about the thing about this speedboat chase is it, it would not come to no surprise to you that John Pertwee was the one to suggest this was in the script, and uh, yeah, John did his action scene himself while Roger Delgado had a stuntman, and John enjoyed doing this scene so much he bought his own speedboat. Oh, well, look at that! <laughs> one one awesome dude though. I just wanna I just wanna do some actiony stuff with him. <laughs> You know, he's I, dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was I was looking at it, and it's shot rather plainly because you know it's nineteen seventies Doctor Who. Uh, but I was like, imagine putting myself in that location on the speedboat. It'd be like this is the best day on set ever. Yeah. And as I was having that thought, John Pertwee got hit with the biggest wave in the <laughs> face. Pot. Like he got drenched head to toe with like just a like a fistful of water. Uh, it was pretty great. But of course, he's stone dry by the time they reach the beach. Uh, the master shows up at, I assume, a different beach. It's really unclear where they land. It yeah. looks it looks like the exact same beach, but I think it's supposed to be a different one. I think uh, so, yeah. <laughs> the doctor goes running over to him and sits next to him like, oh, that was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, and the master's like, oh, sorry, doctor. I kind of just led you on there because look up there. And every t- like I've watched this episode uh, twice now. When he points up to the hill, the first thing I see is the giant obelisk thing that the the Matt Doctor was carried in. But I think the thing he's supposed to be pointing at is the horde of sea devils that come and surround yeah, it. Yeah. But the, like my eye is immediately drawn to the obelisk, and I'm like, what's the obelisk thing got to do with it? And then the sea devils show up, and I'm like, oh, okay. Why are they standing <laughs> in front of the obelisk thing? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think that was presented very well. Yeah, I don't know why they brought it there, or if it was there already. It's very not clear in what... Yeah, like were were the sea devils there, or did we just run to catch up with them there? Yeah, yeah, I I, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, we're back with our good buddy Clark. I don't genuinely <laughs> forgot his name again. Uh, as he's like, see, I was right all along. The only way to kill the sea devils was with a nuclear attack. Uh, and then we cut to Joe and Hart, who were suddenly back in the navy office, and also uh, Clark's in the navy office as well. Uh, the the battle's over. They won the end. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a very it's a very abrupt ending to that battle. I thought, uh, but they're discussing, yeah. and uh, Clark's like, you know, nuclear strike. That's the only way. Uh, the receptionist comes back in and she says that Scott from Who Watches Who uh, <laughs> said that they saw the doctor traveling out to sea. And uh, the guys, uh, the guys like, yeah, uh, see, he's gone. He's gone out to sea. He's going to go join the sea devils. He's swapped sides. Now, get me the minister on the phone. I'm going to launch a nuclear attack. And that definitely won't worry any other countries, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, again, it goes back to the thing of, yeah, this is this story is on fast forward now. This feels like an episode <laughs> yeah. worth the last 10 minutes of this yeah the story is it is on fast forward for sure uh what i did like music wise is when he says you know get me the minister on the phone i'm going to launch a full-scale attack instead of any technological stings we get dun dun heavy drums yeah uh and that was the best musical choice yeah it was very good I presume that's not the guy who's been doing the music this entire episode. I presume we just found that in the warehouse somewhere and just yeah. added it in. Yeah. Because <laughs> it sounds so unlike anything else he's ever done in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Then we get, a, uh, I think, a very good scene uh, with the Doctor, the Master, and the talking sea devil. He's alive again. Uh, 
as they're, uh, you know, the talking sea devils, like, yo, you said humans were weak. They just totally wiped us in that battle. Like, we didn't, we killed, like, one guy, and they murdered us something silly. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, they they start talking about how they're going to vanquish mankind, blah, 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 blah. And the doctor interrupts being like, you know, no, man man is good. You know, can I, can I, re- is there anything I could say that would stop you wanting to destroy mankind at this point? And the sea devil goes, no, shut up. And the doctor has this, uh, John Pertwee's got this really good moment where he just goes, yeah, I'm sorry then, you know, because, yeah. he, you know, he knows what's going to happen now. Uh, he's given them that, that out, the chance to to reconsider their actions, but there's no going back. They've said they're not going to listen, so the doctor's going to have no other choice. Uh, he starts fiddling with the machine, turning it on, and the master switches it on. Uh, and then the sea devil, which in a in a move I thought was very very good and I didn't see coming, goes cool. Arrest them both. We're going to kill them both. Ha 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 ha. Uh, I thought that was a great bit of a comeuppance for the the master and made the sea devils seem a bit more smart that they were using the master, you know, for their yeah. own selfish gain. And the master never saw it. Uh, at least give them that, and then you know they take the doctor and the master away. Uh, it's it's a pretty short scene, but probably one of the better scenes in the second half of this episode. Yeah, it makes the seem devil. It makes the seem devils. Makes it, the makes seem the se- devils. <laughs> it makes the seem. It makes the sea devils seem smart, but this is episode six, and there's like eight minutes left. It's it's not going to end well with them, is it? So no. we're not too smart in the end. It's just like, oh yeah, we were using you entire time, and yeah, but now Scott, we're going to be destroyed this, soon. Yeah, th- this is a six part episode, and they're in two episodes. Uh, so so, you know uh this is the most characterization they they get in the entire story yeah and also uh the doctor being like oh uh, being a bit sad about the fact that he has to then destroy the sea devils instead of you know working with them and befriending them whatever Mm -hmm. it kind of reminds me of uh, the capaldi zygon 2 part we just uh discussed like last month yeah where yeah. the entire point was he was able to get through to be Zygons. Yeah, I love he, it. I, I love it when Doctor Who tries to uh, befriend the enemies. It's, yes. It's, it's really compelling stuff. Tries to solve it with diplomacy rather than, you know, explosions. Then we get a really great scene uh, where the Doctor and the Master are led into the uh, high school set. Uh <laughs> Uh, where they're thrown into prison and they're like locked up and the doctor says his line doesn't he he goes well you know you're losing your charm master but it's okay it'll be all for naught uh because once they activate that machine you see i i reversed the polarity of the neutron flow uh <laughs> which is you know the john pertwee's catchphrase essentially but i i love uh the master like he has this like his eyes pop open he's like oh <gasps> you did what oh my <laughs> god like it's the most devastating thing that could have possibly happened yeah just amazing acting and i would just love to watch these two do an entire episode where they're just in yeah. prison yeah they're just know, in a the room entire... they're just in a room yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's like a fossil episode and the entire episode is just them sitting around trying to figure out how to escape from this prison and we learn more about their past and we just get more characteristics i think that'd be great um this is like the only time john pertwee actually says a full catchphrase reverse the polarity of a neutron flow usually he says reverse the polarity or oh i i reversed it mm-hmm. or whatever but this is a full phrase this is the fir- first and only time he says a full phrase i believe mm. okay okay yeah in, in in the demons he says reverse the polarity okay. but yeah here he's okay. saying reverse the polarity of a neutron flow of which the is neutron flow yeah 
which is I, good. I love it. Uh, and the master says, but that's going to like send a feedback into their whole system and the whole place is going to explode. Uh, and the doctor's like, yeah. So you better, you know, see if we can get any help. Uh, and the master starts shouting for the guards and we get this really great shot. Well, like it, it, it would be great. I like what they were going for where the master's shouting through the window for help. And then we cut to the wide shot of the prison and we just see that it's empty. You know, there's no guards yeah. around at all. The only downside is it's very clearly just a studio set. But <laughs> I really like the the idea and the atmosphere that that shot produces of they are alone. They are completely isolated. It is just the two of them in this cell, uh, you know. Uh, you know, you know, if season nine ever comes to Blu-ray, we could actually add in that shot. That would be perfect addition. Yeah. Uh, did we cut back to uh, the doctor and that sitting down? And the uh, doctor master's like, well, you know, they'll find it and they'll stop it. And the do- the doctor's like, no, because if they do, I also put in self destruct, so it will just explode. Uh, and the master's like, you did, but we'll both die. Uh, and the doctor went, yeah, we will both die. So I guess we've got to try and escape, <laughs> don't we? Uh, which I really liked the doctor, you know, twisting the master's arm into working together. Yeah, because obviously the master's only true motive is to stay alive and just win. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he doesn't like to lose, does he? Yeah. And the Doctor uses that against his advantage. It's perfect. Yeah, although the Doctor is going to commit genocide in this episode. Yeah. He's trying to mass extermination of a specific race of people. You know, this is a trait that we know the Doctor will carry with them. But, you know, at least here he's like, I'm trying to reason with you people. Try to understand. We want to Mm -hmm. work this out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they they try to justify it somewhat, and you know it's it's a uh, you feel like it's the only way the doctor can get out of this problem because things have got pushed to that extreme. Yeah. Whereas our issue with, you know, the more modern takes on the doctor committing genocide is it's like her uh, number one option before anything else. You know, alien presents itself genocide rather. Whereas this, it took you know six episodes to push the doctor to this point where there was no turning back i just thought i'd point it out because it would feel hypocritical of me if i didn't point out the doctor was committing <laughs> genocide in this episode but i point it out every other time but you know this reminds me of um going back to the silurians at the end of silurians instead of committing genocide he decides to put them all into hibernation decides to wake them all up one by one and because obviously convincing one person on their own to turn to the good side is easier than trying to convince an entire species. Yeah, you get the mob mentality, don't you? Yeah, but yeah, I, I, I wish I, I do wish there was a, another solution here rather than just well, I'll, I'll kill them all. Yeah. yeah, but you know, it's the end of a. It, yeah, again, it feels like I, we I was just about to say. I think I, I think the issue that they came into is they went, "Oh my god, how do we only have ten minutes left?" Uh, uh, okay, <laughs> yeah. so the navy show up and they kill all the sea devils, right? And then the doctor gets kidnapped, and then he kills all the sea devils, and that's it. Then it's over. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I feel like uh, like maybe episode four could have been scrapped, and he could have just you know spread us out a little yeah. bit more and just written a bit more into it, but. I honestly, I think three and four could have been scrapped. Like, you could stretch out five and six (laughs) into three and four and have a better, much better paced six-parter, I think. Yeah. That's that's the problem with the Sea Devils. It's just too long, but it it doesn't use its length (laughs) adequately. It's it's the same thing with Silurians. Like, some parts of the Silurians feel too rushed, and some of it feels like it's spreading along too thinly. It's just, it's really bizarre pacing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we cut very, very briefly to uh, Joe and the politician guy and stuff like that, where they're like, we're going to launch the nukes. And he goes, awesome, I'm going to have some tea. And then Joe sniffs her finger. 
Yeah, there's not really enough enough to talk about there. Yeah, but yeah. Is, yeah, and then we cut back to the doctor, and he's using his sonic screwdriver again. Look at that to unlock a yeah. door, no less. You know, if I was to rewrite that scene, you know, of Joe and the politician, I would try to write Joe as in having like a little speech, give her a little speech about not committing genocide. <laughs> you know, but then she couldn't be companions with the doctor. <laughs> Uh, but then we cut to the doctor using his sonic screwdriver to unlock the cell door. Now, why didn't he do that before? Maybe it's because he wants to just work with a master. Like no, 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 no. Right. When he's rescuing the submarine captain, he uses mm. the gun, and then he gives the gun to the submarine captain, which is then used to kill a sea devil. Why didn't he simply use the sonic screwdriver to unlock the door? That way, okay. nobody's using a gun. Yeah. Um, maybe he left it behind at the naval base? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the real answer is the uh, writers didn't think about that and, and they didn't yeah. care. And they didn't, nobody yeah. cared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd point it out because we, I think we were talking about as well before and maybe last week or the week before is whether or not the Sonic Screwdriver would work on a door and the classic version of Doctor Who. And here we have mm-hmm. conclusive proof that yes, it does work on doors in classic Who uh, because doors are a mechanical thing. Yeah, but this is a spaceship door, technically. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not it's spa- more advanced it's not technology. Spa- it's not a spaceship; they're under well, the it, ocean. It's, it's it's a it's more advanced technology still. It's 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 a, it's a big space. black block. <laughs> they're a big black block. <laughs> <laughs> I said block by mistake. <laughs> so they step out the cell, and then very conveniently, there are some perfectly laid out submarine uh diving costumes for them to put on and the doctor's like see just as i told you this is where they would be (laughs) why why would they be that why did nobody clean them up did the master not see them when they were getting brought into the cell they're right outside the front door you know (laughs) yeah this is just lazy honestly just lazy writing yeah Yeah. it reminds me of the end of episode three when we're doing their power sail and power glide and whatever you call it and we just conveniently find a rope just tied up to yeah. a post. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's you know they came out the cell and there's um yeah there's a there's submarine costume there why not you know yeah it's it's, it's, it's yeah it it doesn't make sense in any way for that to be in that location. Yeah, it's it's very bizarre. Maybe the sea devils need it. No, I'm joking. It doesn't make <laughs> sense. <laughs> yeah, we cut back to the politician Joe and stuff like that. Where a politician guy is eating some sandwiches again. He's like, mmm, smoked salmon, yum, yum, yum. Uh, we cut to Joe and Hart, and they're like, uh, Joe's like, okay, we need to, can we do a sweep of the area before we nuke it? Because what if the doctor and that's there? And Hart's like, uh, I don't know. And then Joe's like, but what if he is? And, the, and then Hart's like, oh, I'm convinced. Okay, let's do a sweep <laughs> of that area and find out if the doctor and the master are there, because we know for a fact that they will be. Because, and then we cut to them floating like a couple of turds. Uh, and the. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, just I I find it funny how everybody's convinced to just save the lives of these people we'd never met before today. You know, we just met them like five minutes ago, and it's like, oh, I'll I'll save a doctor. We need to save a doctor. Yeah, we need to stop everything we're doing to save the doctor. This guy I've never heard about. Yeah. No. <laughs> wait, wait. You mean the guy who hypnotized people? <laughs> <laughs> 
so we cut to the Doctor and the Master floating in the water as we watch the uh, hovercraft approaching them. And this, this takes quite some time. Uh, at first I was like, is that going to be John Pertwee in the suit? And then he, you know, they unzip their faces and you see John Pertwee's happy old man face, loving yeah. every moment of it. Uh, and I was like, okay, but Roger Delgado, he'll be the stunt double. Uh, but no, you see Roger Delgado's face as well. And uh, as you were saying to me, he wasn't having a good time. Uh, oh no, yeah. Roger Delgado was afraid of the water and he had to be swayed into it with some al- alcohol, apparently. <laughs> uh, and there's one point during the shoot that John Pertwee got angry with a production team member. Uh, Katie and John had been gentle with him, calming him down. And then an assistant director suddenly butted in with... Oh, come on, Roger, for God's sake, we've waited enough already. And John just went off on them, saying, Oh, belt up, we've had enough trouble getting Roger into a suit in the first place. And now you come up and start upsetting his confidence? Why don't he just jump into the sea and cool off? And then John Pertwee would later say, John, uh, he would later say, Roger needed gentle persuasion and calm reasoning to get him into doing these things. And the fact that he did made me immensely proud of a man. For not many people who could face up to their fears as Roger did, this made him one of the bravest men I knew. Which is oh. just a lovely story. Yeah, okay, that's lovely. Uh, they get helped up into the boat. Uh, and then we cut to the Sea Devils, who are looking at the device being like, this thing is costing us a lot of electricity. Let's just turn it off. <laughs> we don't need to get everybody awake. Uh, they turn it off, and then obviously, as the doctor had said, he had set a explosive uh, device to go off if it ever gets shut off. They turn it off, bang, and we cut to uh, the doctor and the master, and the master starts having a heart attack uh, as he's like, oh, I'm, oh, I'm going down. <laughs> and the doctor is looking at him concernedly even though if i was the doctor i'd be like oh he's regenerating uh yeah, yeah. but we then cut to the a view of the ocean as the base explodes in quite frankly a ridiculous looking ex- like a like size of an explosion like it, it they do a good job selling the size of that explosion i think oh yeah well, between the stock footage and the actual uh close-ups and john pertwee's face it looks really convincing mm-hmm but yeah, um, the master having a heart attack is just goofy, and we'll get into that more as we get to this massive cliffhanger towards yeah. the end. Yeah. <laughs> we then cut to Joe and the politicians and stuff like that, where they're saying, oh, the explosions have been reported. They, you know, they, Before they've launched the nuclear bombs, the base blew up itself up. That was good. Uh, and as they're talking about that, and you know about two people being rescued and them being injured, uh, the entire time we're just zooming in on Joe's face, which is a shot I really, really liked. You know, where you, this, this whole scene, two people are talking, but we're not focusing on them. We're focusing on Joe's reaction, her thoughts to the scene, as we see the panic on her face when we she finds out one of them's injured. And immediately she's like, oh my God, it's the doctor. The doctor's injured. Uh, as we're zooming in, I just, I really like that framing. Yeah, the director of this, Michael Bryant, actually is just one of his signature traits to have a close-up on a, a, a character's face rather than the people speaking to end the scene on, which is a great yeah. trait to have, I yeah, think. I, I think it's really good. So, we cut to the final scene, which is on a beach. <laughs> the, we cut to an ambulance riding up as the hovercraft's pulling up and Joe and everybody, they, all the main characters are here. Uh, the Joe sees the doctor and she's like, oh my god, I thought somebody was hurt. And the doctor says it's his master. He collapsed, you know, shortly after uh, we got onto the boat. He's in kind of a bad way. Uh, and we see the master getting carried out on a uh, gurney. Not a gurney, that's what you put dead people in. Whatever they carry injured folk into into an ambulance. Uh, they, they think he's dead, though. Yeah. He's, yeah. 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 But, uh, you know, they're, they're chatting and the doctor's like, I blew up the Sea Devil's base for you. Problem solved. Crisis averted. 
I only did it because I had to do it sort of deal, which I, you know, we were chatting before about the the motivation and the doctor committing genocide. What I really don't like about it is in previous episodes, they were saying, uh, you know, um, Lethbridge Stewart blowing up the Silurians behind the doctor's back was definitively the wrong choice to make. Yeah. Whereas here, when the Doctor blows up the Sea Devils, it's definitively the right choice to make. Even though I feel like the Doctor should be way more upset that he got pushed to that extreme, you know? Mm -hmm. And he should be, like, shouting, you know, shouting at the politicians, whatever, you know? Because you guys attacked this thing before we had even the chance to do anything. I got pushed to this and I had to do this and, you know, I will never be doing anything like that again. You know, make the Doctor more angry at the Navy and uh, the politician dude for forcing him to do something as horrendous as what the uh Lethbridge Stewart did last time. Yeah, it is really bizarre that both these episodes are written by the same person, Malcolm Hulk. Like he like it feels like he just completely forgot about how his previous episode ended. It's very bizarre. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, it 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 doesn't feel like it's it's by the same person even. It's, yeah, it's just really strange and I'm not sure why it's ended like this. Uh, but then we get uh, possibly the greatest conclusion to a Doctor <laughs> Who episode I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it's a, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, where they're they're carrying the Master out. The guy says something that a Doctor told him something. What is it exactly? He's like the Doctor. A Doctor said something about to him about us. What's the exact quote? Because it's something weird. And they rewind. Uh, we were too late. The doctor on yeah. the hovercraft said yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, he's dead. The doctor said so. And uh, the doctor's like, what other doctor on the hovercraft? What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, my God. And then we see that the guy in the... Uh, I'm just going to call it a gurney. The guy in the gurney uh, is wearing another man's face. And nobody noticed this until now. And the doctor peels off this face to reveal that it's actually one of the... Uh, sailors wearing a mask of the master and the master's sailing away on the hovercraft and he waves goodbye at the doctor and the doctor <laughs> stares at him like grr so in the space of the doctor climbing out of the hovercraft before the ambulance can get into the hovercraft the master brainwashed a dude knocked him out <laughs> made a perfect mask of his own face and stuck it on the guy and then pretend, and then presumably wore a mask himself. Otherwise, the ambulance people would be like, "Oh, that's your twin," you know. So he's got two masks. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're not the first person to notice this. While filming it, John Pertwee ran up to Terence Dix, the script editor, and he was so worried about this scene. Um, he's, he was panicked at the end and didn't make any sense because there wasn't enough time for Master hip- to hypnotize the man give him a mask or steal the ship and he asked Terence Dix to rewrite it and Dix's reply was no one will notice <laughs> well he's a he was wrong because it is the most glaringly obvious fault of the episode is the ending makes no sense I I kind of love this ending for it for the fact that it doesn't make any sense it's just so it's just so campy and it it's just really, so much really fun cheesy. it's really cheesy <laughs> it's really really cheesy but you know, I like my Doctor Who to have morals and to mostly make sense. This is possibly <laughs> a step too much, like a Saturday night cart, like a Saturday morning cartoon. You know, like Scooby Doo. You know, where it, 
it, it just it kind of goes back to all the master's disguises where he calls himself mm-hmm. master in another language or something like that. Yeah, it's... and he wears glasses. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I can get on board with that. The issue that I have with this is it's you the sec it makes you think about it too much, but then you start questioning the logic because the the master wearing glasses and going by a different name and like wearing a hat. I'm like, okay, that's fair enough. That's a disguise. But the master ha- the master having a perfectly replicated like latex mask off himself and presumably off another person for yeah. one that he can wear just on him at all times you yeah, know it's, 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 yes. it's, it's it doesn't make any sense but you know we need to make a cliffhanger for the story yeah. after next yeah which is what i found interesting as well is that this episode doesn't have a conclusion it, well like yeah. it's, its conclusion is the sea devils get exploded but the sea devils were never the main focus in mm-hmm. this six-part story called the sea devils uh the main focus is always on the master and in this episode the master gets away and the episode ends on a cliffhanger and i was like oh i really wasn't expecting this story to not have a conclusion you know you have to watch the next story to 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 figure out see if there's going to be a conclusion or not yeah, most stories end on like a proper conclusion. There's yeah. no cliffhanger, but like here the de- it's just like a the de- like the demons where he gets arrested and taken away. You yeah. know, uh, but yeah, this one is the master. The master technically wins. You know, he escapes. Yeah. <laughs> he gets out of prison and he runs away. Yeah, uh, it was a, a weird ending, but kind of kind of like that that part of the ending. I I do, I do wonder if um, because we haven't seen the next story to feature the master, I do wonder if there's some sort of half-written explanation of how the master escaped there. Maybe, maybe. There <laughs> I would, is. I would, ju- I would just love to see how they explain that away. Yeah, I. It's just one of those things. <laughs> don't talk about it ever again. Yeah, no. Uh, but that does bring us to the end of episode six and the end of our very, very long Sea Devils deep dive. I think in total it'll be like six hours it took to get yeah. through these six episodes. Yeah. Uh, very glad we split it across three weeks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Scott, what did you think about the six stories in general? What did I think? I thought it was mostly a lot of fun, but you know, there's still a lot of padding, especially in the middle, but. It has some political intrigue. It has some uh, decent special effects and not the best written. But I'm kind of mixed about this episode, to be honest. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I think this episode would be better with a different soundtrack. Yeah. I think the soundtrack takes a lot away from it, from all six it, episodes. Yeah. The it story, really does. The story in general. Uh, I think the plotting is horrendous. Yeah. Uh, for classic who's specific like as well like I think the sea devils are really an afterthought and the fact that the story's called this it should be called the master returns and the sea devils you know yeah. like uh, it, calling it the sea devils and having them really only be in the two final episodes and really do nothing but stand there get shot and deliver exposition uh, yeah. you know it was kind of a big letdown for me. So I'm really interested to see what Chibnall does with them when they get brought back, because honestly, he's got a blank slate. He can give them literally any personality and do anything with them because it'll be better than what we've already had. Yeah. What thing with the sea devils is in this episode, of the sea devils, uh, they're under control by the master for most of it, apart from the last 10 minutes where they're like, haha, we tricked you all along master. And then we die and don't have any personality. The next time they appear in Warriors of the Deep with the Silurians, they're just being used by the Silurians, and they don't ha- again don't have much personality. 
So I'm really ho- yeah, and that's so, a, that's only that's only two times we've met the uh, the sea devils. Yeah, so you know, Chibnall, insane. Chibnall can do anything he likes. Just give them a personality, and I'll be happy. And it will make the best sea devils episode ever. Chibnall, you have this in your power. <laughs> but you know, judging by just the whole description about the next episode, it feels like they're going to be under control by the pirate queen, or I can't yeah. remember who they're basing the episode off of. The sea but... devils make really good lackeys. Yeah. You know, that's what they're good for. They're good at being lackeys, I guess. I, uh, I also find it interesting that the Sea Devils haven't changed at all, really, apart from... Uh, like, compare them to the Silurians, who have changed tremendously. Yeah, yeah. But, like, you know... I yeah, guess it's... I guess the Silurians, you know, they have personality, and they can develop new technologies, and they all talk. Yeah. The Sea Devils, only, you know, one in every 1,000 can talk, basically. <laughs> uh, so their society moves a little bit slower. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I think, yeah. I, I, I think I would rate this story, like, the, all six parts in general, like, I don't know, a six out of ten. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's better than, like, it's watchable and it's fun, but... It has got some really low lows, but some really high highs. Like, there are some scenes in here that I think are absolutely amazing. Uh, and some really good part performances and good monologues and some good character work. Uh, it just gets it gets held back by the usual things that hold back Classic Who, I think. Yeah. I think if you like the really high highs of this episode, I would recommend watching by uh, the Silurians. The Silurians does the story a lot better, in my opinion, and this goes to you, Matthew, as well as anybody else that's listening. The Silurians from season seven is a really solid story. It's seven episodes, a bit long in the tooth, but seven it, is it's... a long, a lot, a lot of episodes. <laughs> yeah, it's solid, you know. Yeah, yeah, but that brings us to the end of this epic saga. Finally concluded completely. <laughs> uh, we're going to switch up the ending a bit here from usual. Oh, send us an email, says Scott, in my voice. <laughs> you know, if you've if you've listened this far, presumably you've also watched the episode, or maybe you haven't. Maybe you just like listening to us describe the episodes to you. I know I was like that for quite a few podcasts I listened to. Uh, like I don't listen to every, I don't watch every Talking Simpsons episode uh, that they do. Like like the episode of The Simpsons, like if right. like, I don't watch that episode every time I okay. listen to the podcast because sometimes I've seen it before or sometimes I can't be bothered and I'll just listen to them to describe it because they play clips and I'll get the gist. Uh, so you know, what did you think of the episode if you listened to it? To it, you know, what what was what was your opinion on on the Sea Devils? Uh, I I'd be curious to hear it. Or if you're like a really old person who's discovered our podcast somehow you figured out what podcasts are uh and you watched this when it aired in 1972 i would be so curious as to what you thought about the soundtrack the actions the performances and the ending you know yeah and also what do you think about it now now about 50 years have passed exactly like what do you think of it now i wonder if your opinion has changed at all on it or if you still view it in that rose-tinted glasses kind of yeah if that hypothetical person is out there (laughs) listening i really want to hear from them that'd be really really interesting i think 
but in the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram. Actually, I don't know what you're going to say once I finish doing all this blur. I, I didn't work this out. Uh, follow not on Instagram. We don't have Instagram. What are we talking about? Follow me. On, <laughs> follow us on Facebook. Uh, who watches who? We, we should probably make an Instagram at some point. On Twitter at Watches Doctor. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter as well at Cloth Two Two Three. And this podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts. It's also available on YouTube in video form at Who Watches Who. We have amazing SEO on YouTube at the moment. If you just search Who Watches Who, we are like the first. 10 results it's amazing uh (laughs) yeah we are we have got really really good seo on youtube uh which is which is perfect seo stands for search engine optimization uh if you did not know that and it's boring algorithm stuff that has forever haunted my dreams since i was like 16 (laughs) years old uh but what are we doing what are we listening to next week scott what's our next week's episode there we go that's something for you to talk about but since i stole your email section (laughs) Well, next week we're doing the news, and hopefully there's a trailer by then. Yeah, one can one yeah. can hope. And then the week after, we've got a very exciting podcast coming right towards you. It's it's our K nine Australian Disney show. Yeah, we're doing the first two or three episodes. We're undecided on that yet, but yeah, we're, yeah, we are we're excited. We are, we are going to watch the <laughs> worst Doctor Who spinoff that was ever yeah. made k9 they redesigned k9 i got it on dvd and it's a surprisingly really good dvd box uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've actually seen k9 the first three episodes and it's pretty yikes i haven't watched it yet i'm very much excited to watch it i'll be doing it uh probably tomorrow evening i reckon so i'm i'm kind of in the middle of what's worse k9 or k9 and company or k9 they're both pretty awful excellent excellent i (laughs) I forgot about canine and company uh because that is the i called that the worst doctor who spinoff didn't i so maybe canine will be the weirdest doctor who spinoff yeah the thing about canine it it at least remembers that it's a sci-fi show okay okay not not much dirt talk no (laughs) Uh, that's disappointing that was the best part of canine and company although i will be uh, what i'll be interested in is pacing because K9 and Company had the best pacing of the worst program I've ever seen. <laughs> like, that thing flies by. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I think K9 kind of drags on a bit. It's, it's okay. a biz- the pacing in general is bizarre, because I'll, I'll spoil it now. I won't spoil the whole episode, but, you know, I'll spoil the pacing. But pacing feels like everything's happening at once, but yet nothing is happening. Excellent. It's really bizarre. Cannot Every wait. Scene, I'm so excited. E- Every scene feels like it uh, sets up a new plotline or storyline or something. I mean, yeah. it's like, oh yeah, net, on to the next scene where everything else happens. I'm so excited. Uh, so that'll be coming to you on April 1st, April Fool's Day. Uh, <laughs> we figured we'd do something a bit dumb and record a really <laughs> dumb episode from a dumb yeah. spin-off no one's heard of. Look forward to that. News next week, as Scott said. Until then, I don't know, listen to other episodes. I don't know. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>